Welcome to the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome into the family room. As you just heard, I'm Mari. I'm here with John and Craig. Hi, guys. Hey, Mari. Glad to be back. Yes, we're here every week. And um, this week we are very excited. We have got a guest we've had on before, so our listeners may be familiar. And Craig, this is one of your great buddies. So I'll let you introduce who we've got with us today. Well, I hope you didn't get offended that you say he's one of my good buddies. <laughs> uh, but I have gotten to know Father John Bartunic a lot better. And uh, through our conversations, you know, he came up with an idea that I thought made a lot of sense. And it's really plugging into our show, but starting a new segment. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Ask the Priest kind of a segment mm-hmm. where uh, our listeners are going to be able to write in any questions they have. And he'll talk more about it. But we're going to go through this in a matter of you know, the five essential elements of discipleship, which Father will explain. But their prayer, mission learning and getting deeper in our faith, virtue and fellowship. Every one of those might have questions and some component that somebody can write in on. And the email address, I guess we mm-hmm. can say that now, yeah. is thefamilyroom at thequestatlanta.com. Perfect. Were you going to say something else? No, I'm just laughing <laughs> because my microphone is... <laughs> yeah, so the family room at thequestatlanta.com. Great. We look forward to being able to hear your questions, and I'm sure Father Bartunic does as well. So before we bring Father in, though, John, would you start us in prayer again? I would, I would love to do that. <clears throat> Let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, every time we come to you, we're reminded how gracious you are, and how kind you are, and how anxious you are just to hear us, and to be with us, and to make yourself present to us. And we give you thanks and praise for that. And this afternoon, as we gather, we just ask for your great blessings, for an outpouring of your grace. We seek to walk so close to you, and yet there are so many distractions, whether that be in our daily life, or time that we spent in prayer, or or just understanding how you would have us live our lives as good disciples and as honorable. As, as obedient disciples. And so in this time together with Father Bartunic, we ask you just to pour out your blessings, open our eyes and our minds and our hearts that we might understand what it is you would have us understand and translate that into ways that glorify you and all we think, say, and do. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, John. Well, welcome in, Father Bartunic. Great to be back. Feels like we were just here the other day. Yes, it went fast. It's been a few weeks, but yeah. I was going to say, then it was like Advent time. Now, in this moment, we're in Lent season. Mm -hmm. So how has your Lent been going, by the way? It's been great. God has been very creative in making sure that I get to help our Lord carry the cross. Wow, that's the best answer I've heard for that in a long time. Not only the best answer, but a very intriguing answer. (laughs) Creative. That's almost like interesting, right? Well, you know, you try to make your plan for Lent, right? Yeah. Uh But really, I mean, you know, God has a plan for Lent, right? He wants you to grow, so he's going to give you some stuff. So if you can kind of keep the antenna up and welcome what he gives and not be attached to your plans, then maybe you'll make more progress. Anyway, so he's he's been very clear with me, you know, just, yeah, yeah, kind of leading me forward. So it's been good. It's been good so far. Good so far. It's very cool. I tend to resent it when he gets clear with me because his plans are frequently not mine. (laughs) 
on his plans always hit at that root cause yeah. of whatever is I that, need to be working on anyway. Prick, prick your it's heart. Like, I've given up ice cream. I've given up, you yeah. know, whatever. And he's like, yeah, but you're still impatient. You're still popping off and saying things to people you shouldn't. I mean, yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. I know, but they bother me. And he's like, yeah, but this is what I want to purify. It's mm-hmm. not easy. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's not. But you're a priest. Yeah. You have it easy with everything. Yeah, so. that's right. We've got it all set already. So, <laughs> that know. holy, you know, the, the imprint at holy orders just make, takes you to that's a whole right. new level, right? No more battle. We have all the answers. <laughs> we have all, everything's just right. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I have a hard time giving things up. Um, and so I've decided to start doing things instead, which I know I need to give things up. But I, I don't, you know, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't, you know, whatever. I don't know. I do eat ice cream. I probably should have given that up. But um, but what God called me to this Lent was to pray in the moment for people. And so one of my goals this Lent has been as many days as possible. If I um, either notice a prayer need, a prayer request, or just meet somebody who seems like they might have one in that moment, I will stop and pray for them and just ask the Holy Spirit. And um, it's been kind of cool. It's been neat because God has uh, had me praying with people I've never thought to pray with before. And people have been touched in kind of different and new ways. And so God's used it to encourage me in using prayer. Um, But also, um, yeah, he's just opened my eyes to some new opportunities. Where did that idea come from? Now I'm trying to remember. The Holy Spirit, I'm sure, right? Um, The Holy Spirit... And we're, oh, I know, uh, Facebook, which I should have given it for Lent. <laughs> I saw somebody say, hey, for Lent this year, I am going to um, pray. So anybody who has a prayer request, send it to me on Facebook. And then the Holy Spirit took it for me. And what had happened is when I walked the Camino last September, on my the, the time leading up to the Camino, I just talked to random strangers about praying for them, like the person in the bank when I got my euros changed, the person at the um, at the airport who was checking us in. I just started asking for prayer requests from random people and took them on the Camino with me. And so then God, t- you know, like you said, God makes you grow. So he took it up another notch. And so the next notch for me this season has been praying in the moment, right mm-hmm. then, holding hands in the parking lot of the church, or you know, at the at the teller window, or wherever it is, he's he's had me do that. It's been kind of cool. That's actually really powerful. I, it reminds me of an experience I had a few months ago. I was at a conference, uh-huh. and during one of the breaks, I was talking with this young man who was starting a new ministry, a new apostolate uh, for priests, trying to support priests. And we were talking, and it was really good. And uh, and and I and we finished our conversation. And I said, "Well, you know, let's let's pray for each other." And he said, "Why don't we just do that right now?" Yeah. And I was kind of taken aback. I mean, I probably should have been the one saying that, right, as the priest. <laughs> I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and so we bowed our heads right there in the conference, and he prayed for me, and I prayed for him. And I think I started, and then he. It was actually really moving. Yeah. It was because you invite, you know, our Lord said, "When two or three gather in my mm-hmm. name, yeah. I'm there among them." So yeah. when you make that move to pray together, yeah, he, his presence becomes it's a different it's a different kind of presence it is yeah, yeah it's it been be pretty incredible That's it really has neat. been thanks yeah. for sharing that okay so we're supposed to be interviewing you you just did a beautiful <laughs> job of interviewing me <laughs> but i think it it does lead us into what you were explaining to us where these these five different elements of our christian um, discipleship journey and that first one is prayer so i think it kind of goes along with that would you break those five uh, kind of window panes we were laughing about. Maybe it's a transom you can visualize, like above your door that you're walking through. You've got these five panes. 
What what are those? Yeah, so when you look at the history of spirituality in, in the Catholic Church and all Christianity, all the different you have different schools of spirituality. Ignatian, Carmelite, mm. you have different kind of the, the spirituality of the fathers of the church. You've got all kinds of that's so rich, right? Mm-hmm. Well when you break it down, you kind of do an X ray of all the different types, they all have five elements woven in. And they, they kind of weave them together differently. It's like the five primary colors, you know, of spiritual growth or um, actually, my favorite analogy is the old Ro- Roman roads, which were called via. It was mm-hmm. a via, V-A. Uh, and in the book of Acts, the Acts mm-hmm. of the Apostles, uh, Christianity, there really was first called the way. The it way, was the people yes. who followed the way, right? Yeah, yeah. The way in Latin, it's via. Mm-hmm. It's the via in Greek, hodos. So it's the road. And ancient Roman roads, those actual roads that those Christians would have walked on and gone on their cart on and um, were, actually had five levels. Oh. And they were so well engineered that they're still the basis of a lot of the roads in Europe, kind of connecting all the major cities. Uh, and they had the bottom level was bedrock, uh, or if they didn't have bedrock, they would just have packed earth. And they put these kind of large fist-sized um, stones. And then on top of that, there was kind of a very rough concrete, then a very smooth concrete, and then the cobblestones on top. So it was, oh, so when you were traveling nice. along a Roman road, you were actually walking simultaneously on five roads. Oh. So... These five essential elements of Christian discipleship, it's like they're, they always, we're always growing or moving on each of them in order to go forward along the path of holiness. Mm-hmm. And by the way, holiness is not, I don't think it, it's a fancy thing. Holiness is being on the right path, moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And St. Paul addressed his letters to the saints in Corinth, the saints in Ephesus. They weren't finished. It's not finished. It's being on the path of friendship with Christ and moving in the right direction. And when we're moving in the right direction, we're doing these five things um, in different ways. And and so it's it's a great framework, as you said, like a frame or a trans what? Transom. Transom. Yeah. Okay, it's a new word for me. So <laughs> I do a lot of interior decorating. It could be a round window, Mari. It could oh, be a round no. window. Come on. Come on. So you have, and they're really easy to remember. If you think of, hold up your five fingers of your hand, and when you hold up your hand, what's closest to your heart is your thumb. So prayer and sacraments is that's how we stay united to the vine, the most important thing. And sacrament is a prayer. It's an encounter with Christ. So you can talk, we could talk a lot about prayer and sacraments. Then your pointer finger, right? We are also sent out. We're pointed at. Jesus chooses us and sends us on a mission. We're called to be his witnesses. So there's mission, apostolate, all kinds of different words for that, evangelization. Then the tallest finger, the middle finger, we're always seeking things that are above. We're seeking to discover all that God has revealed to us about our faith, about the world, about himself. There's always more to learn. We have such a treasure house of wisdom in the Catholic Church. And then your ring finger, which is your weakest finger, right? That's the word virtue actually comes from a Latin word, which means strength. Uh, And so we're always trying to grow. Uh, Where where am I weak now in my Christ-like virtue? Where is Christ inviting me to act more like him in my life? And especially those virtues, it comes up in relationships. And especially the relationships we engage with and every day, you know, those that's where we can grow the most. And then the little finger, uh, the, the pinky at the end, and by ourselves, we're very small, but we're called to journey together with others. And so that's fellowship. That's my relation. That's journeying together, sharing the faith, benefiting, like what we're doing here, talking together about our experiences yeah. of Christ. So those are the five disciplines, and in all the different spiritualities, they're dealt with in different ways. Um, they're really opening. They're they're 
their openings, right? And so, but when questions, when we have questions or we have struggles or we can usually bring them into relationship with one or one or two or three of those kind of essential elements of our faith. So I think it'd be great to just kind of talk, kind of have that as a reference point yeah. and reinforce that as we have our conversations. It'd be good. It's a loving the construction analogy, right? If you think about a prayer life that is all cobblestone or all bedrock mm-hmm. or all the riprap, the big fist-sized stone, mm. it'd be, it, yeah. it wouldn't go well. No, it wouldn't go. You kind of need them. Yeah, you need. We want to be solid. We want to move forward. You know. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. But it's interesting to me, though. Again, feel free to correct us if we're wrong in anything we say here. Likewise but, for you. You know, I mean, your experience of Christ is just as valid as mine, even though I'm wearing a collar. I appreciate so. that. No, thank you. See, humility just abounds from Father. <laughs> but quite honestly, though, without prayer. Mission is out of line, learning about the faith. I mean, you can learn about the faith, but it doesn't transform you. Where it seems to me like prayer is that really transformative component where you start to spend time with God and you start to interact with God and he loves you, you love him. However, there's different kinds of prayer. And I know, and by the way, as we've said before, Father Bartunic has multiple good books out there. The better part is awesome. I've loved that came out with a new book, 40 Days of Peace and Union with God, A Journey in Prayer Through the Daily Gospels. Great opportunities to really learn further how to pray. But when you look at it, right, we talk about vocal prayer, meditative prayer, and contemplative prayer. A lot of people I talk to really have a hard time praying. They either don't, can't set the time, or, well, God doesn't really talk to me. Can you walk us through prayer the three different types of prayer, and then talk about the, the how critical or how you can best approach that. So God really does. We, we are in an interaction with God and not just simply, I need this, I want that, I have to have this, and oh, I'm sorry for that. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can kind of slice and dice the different types of prayer. Um, I would actually, the three that you mentioned, I would actually arrange them a little bit differently. So kind of three three basic uh, types of prayer are vocal prayer, mental prayer, and liturgical prayer. Mm. So this is one way of kind okay. of categorizing. So vocal prayer is simply prayer where you're using someone else's words and you're making them your own in order to express what's on your heart and offer it to God. When we pray the Our Father, that's a vocal prayer. And you pray that famous prayer of St. Francis, you know, um, make me an instrument of your peace. You're using someone else's words, but you're activating your faith and your hope and your love through those words. Uh, and that's a very powerful way of praying when you do novenas that are written out. Mm. Like those are prayers written by someone else and I make them my own. And so I, as I'm actually connecting with God by expressing those, that meaning to God in my own word, in, in those words, I'm, I'm actually also exercising my faith because I'm reinforcing what I believe. That's a powerful prayer. Especially useful when you're confused, turbulent, sick, weak, angry, <laughs> you're not feeling at peace. Vocal prayer can be a real anchor. I don't know if any of you know uh, Cardinal Nguyen Van Thuan. Did you hear his story? Mm-mm. He was a cardinal from Vietnam when the Americans pulled out of the Vietnam War, and he was the uh, archbishop um, of one of the cities there. So the communists took over Vietnam, and uh, and they put him under arrest right away, and they tried to break him down so that he would come out in favor of communism, which you know you can't really do if you're a Catholic 
you know, because mm. communism is atheist. So, so they, he ended up being, I think it was 14 years in between, um, in prison, house arrest, solitary confinement, work camps. Nine of those years were in solitary confinement. Wow. And he eventually, he didn't break down and eventually, uh, he was released. He was exiled. He went to Rome. It was named a cardinal. He spent the last years of his life in Rome, but he wrote a book about his experience and, he said in his worst times, they had him in this little cell where it was too short. He couldn't even stand up fully because it was too short. There was just a tiny little window for some air. There was a little drain in the bottom of it. Uh, and that's where he would, it was the cooler air would come from there. And he was there for you know, weeks and weeks and weeks. It's, it's, it's a torture in many different ways. And he said the only prayer that he could utter were just vocal prayers. He would just remember like phrases from prayers that he knew or phrases from the Bible, and he would just repeat them over and over again. Some of the ones that he would repeat, I, I still remember, um, he, he would, he would like the, the one where um, when Mary tells Jesus they have no wine, mm -hmm. that was his prayer for his persecutors. The people who were torturing him and imprisoning him, they didn't have faith. They didn't know God. So he would, instead of getting angry and resentful, he would, they have no wine, they have no wine they have wow. no wine and just use that phrase to lift his heart up to God to pray for them um, anyway so so vocal prayer is, a, is is essential we never grow out of it but it's saying your prayers up but it's not enough if you want to have a mature like a person-to-person -person relationship with God you can't just say your prayers mm -hmm. you actually have to speak to him in your own words and you have to hear him speaking to you personally, not just through the words of others, right? And that's what we call mental prayer. It's a really strange phrase, history of theology, you know, so it's, it sounds like, <laughs> is that mental, you know? <laughs> but it just, it, the essence of mental prayer is that it's a conversation with God in your own words. So you, there's a listening involved and then a response. And your response could be to ask him for something. Like you could listen by, and how do you listen? The tradition of mental prayers, you use scripture or a good spiritual book. Uh, you put yourself in God's presence. Uh, you ask him for what you need. You thank him. And then you open up the scriptures. You read them slowly. You read them over. You kind of listen. What, is, what jumps out at me? What strikes me? What resonates with me? And then you stay with that. And that's God nourishing your heart through his word. Is that kind of like Lexio Divina? Lexio Divina is a form of mental prayer, okay. a form of Christian meditation. That's another word that's used for this. Yeah, Lexio okay. Divina. Okay. Um, and so, and you listen, and then you respond to it. And you can respond by asking, Lord, I want to be, if you're meditating on the Good Shepherd, for, Good Shepherd, for instance, John chapter 10, and that picture of Jesus, you know, going after the, shep the sheep, taking care of the sheep, protecting them. And it moves you, Lord, I I'm grateful for your protection. And I want to be like that with the people that you've given me to care for. So you thank him, gratitude, then you ask for something, petition. You can also praise. Um, you can also kind of express your sorrow. Like there are different emotions, different just in any relationship that can come out of that type of prayer. Uh, and we can talk a lot about that type of prayer. That's the most personal prayer. And all the spiritual writers in the history of the church agree, if you want to grow spiritually, that's the kind of prayer you need to work into your daily life. And so even though it's called mental prayer, can you do it out loud? Yeah. Just like vocal prayer, you can do silently. Okay. I, like One of my favorite vocal prayers is the lead kindly light prayer from St. John Henry Newman. Mm -hmm. And I often pray it silently after, after communion. I mean, I just pray it because I just love it so much. But it's someone else's words. Mm -hmm. So mental prayer can be 
out loud mm-hmm. or silently. Okay. But there's always the listening and then the response. That's why, you know, kind of a meditative prayer. I take some time to listen. I don't know about you. We, we could actually share some experiences. We've all engaged in this type of prayer. For me, in these last kind of last seasons of my own prayer life, it, I've, I need very little to kind of move my heart mm-hmm. to respond. And I can just kind of sit and I look and I see, you know, I usually get up early in the morning. I see the sun start to rise. And that's enough. It's like in the sunrise, I see God smiling at me. Mm -hmm. And just to be with him and enjoy him smiling at me and smile back, like that's that's an intimate encounter with my creator. Uh, So it's in an environment of faith, that type of prayer. It always wasn't, it's not always like that, but, you know, it can be like that. And then we have liturgical prayer, which is the prayer of the church. When we get together as the people of God and the body of Christ and Christ himself is present as the head through his priest, uh, and the sacraments are celebrated, uh, and the 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 you know the the breviary, right? The liturgy of the hours, adoration. Anytime you're you're in adoration, you're connected with the sacraments. Even confession is liturgical prayer. It's an encounter with God. Christian prayer. The bottom line, it's not something we do. It's it's the relationship we have with God. It's how we express and grow in our relationship with God. That's how the Catechism defines it. The first number and the fourth section of the Catechism on prayer talks about prayer as a re- personal relationship with the living and true God. Mm. Uh, and that's so. These modes of prayer are just modes of because we, we're in the relationship through with Him through faith. So these are modes we can exercise our faith, get to know Him, share, journey together with Him. So we could talk a lot about all those types of prayer. No, it's deep. Yeah. So listeners, if you are just joining us here in the family room, we are here with Father John Bartunek. And he um, just, as you can hear, just does a beautiful job. We're hanging on his every word and just teaching, but also making this so real. So um, thank you. And just keep tuned in. So you were saying we can talk about our different experiences. So did you grow in your ability to pray in all these different ways? What was your your experience with Yeah, prayer? my personal experience. I mean, I grew up in an atheist household, so mm-hmm. didn't really have any prayer. Mm-hmm. And then when I started going to church, it was an evangelical community. So their liturgical prayer is very limited. Mm-hmm. They, you know, there was a, you know, Protestantism has its roots in kind of moving away from yeah. a lot of, you know, liturgical practices and, uh, and, and even vocal prayer. You didn't really use other people. You didn't use rote prayers. Mm-hmm. That was something the Catholics did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so it was all praying in your spontaneous prayer in your own words. And so that was the first exposure to prayer that I had. There's a certain meditative prayer, your quiet time. We used to use the phrase, you know, spend a quiet time with God. Um, it was kind of a meditative mental prayer. Uh, but it was anyway, so that was my own experience. And then when, when I kind of began to, to be intrigued by the Catholic faith, uh, it was really the, the, the liturgical prayer mm-hmm. really moved me. There's a sense of, you know, the liturgy, uh, the, the ritual, the richness of it, when you begin to understand what it means and you enter into it, that's the, that's the beauty of liturgical prayer. It's bigger than me. Something is happening here. You know, Christ is offering himself through this mass Regardless of how I feel, regardless of, you know, what it's objective and we're in it together. I always picture liturgical prayer like like when you walk into St. Peter's Plaza in front of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, this huge plaza, and you're walking into it. You're entering into a space that's bigger than you, that millions of your Mm -hmm. older brothers and sisters in the faith have have gone into through the centuries. And when we go to liturgical prayer, we're doing that. 
we're entering into this prayer, this ongoing prayer. Um, so liturgical prayer was really the beginning for me. And then when I joined the seminary and I did my first silent retreat where all you do is uh, mental prayer, meditative and contemplative, we can talk about mm -hmm. those distinctions, uh, that was like a whole new world. I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. Um, and I had a very positive first two weeks. Then it got really hard <laughs> after and, you know, had to fight through all those distractions. Someone was talking about distractions earlier about in prayer. So that was kind of the, the, the and now we do them all. Like, you know, in my community, we offer, you know, we have morning prayer together. We sing a hymn to the Holy Spirit together. We go off for an hour of our own mental prayer. Then we have our masses and we have vocal prayer at different times in the middle of the day. And so it's kind of a combination. You weave it all together. Mm. So. I'm I'm listening with ears of a person who did not or does not have your experience, Father John, where, where they walk into church and it's not that experience. They, I've been here, I'm 50 years old, I've been coming to the same church for 50 years. It's the same church with the same pews and it's the same prayers and it's very rote. The grace is still there. The sacrament is still what it is. It's still this amazing place. But how do you help someone who's just kind of been chugging down the path for 50 years how do you help him or her see that in one minute <laughs> it's pretty so, easy pretty easy very easy first of all you sit down with them you have a cup of coffee and you say let's talk about the five essential elements of your life and let's see how they're doing because if some of those are dead or in the red the rest aren't going to be any good either so you start there and you make a plan what's the next step in each of those five that's how you do it Oh, in less than a minute. We're going to go deeper, I think. Yeah, we're right? going to unpack that yeah. one a little yes. bit. Yes, <laughs> That sounds cool. So we have time. Let's take a minute and unpack that right now. What, that was easy to say, Father, but in your experience, when someone is struggling that way with the prayer life, what is the most common element that's missing? What's what's not there most frequently? Is there such a thing as a common missing yeah, well, it element? Can be, it can be a, a, a bunch of different stuff. But if someone is going to Mass regularly, this is kind of the scenario right. that you painted. They're going yeah. to Mass regularly, but they're, they're not feeling like they're connecting with God. Um, then I would say, I would usually say, okay, well, let's, let's look at your personal prayer life, your mental prayer, right? Um, and maybe when was the last time you were on a retreat? When was the last time you unplugged from all the normal activities of mm. your day, mm -hmm. of your life, all the normal problems, and you gave yourself some space for like an extended Sabbath and just spent time and got some fresh input about who God is, giving him a chance to remind you of who you are, that type of thing, jump-starting your connection with God so you kind of hear his voice again. Because there's so much noise and so much activity there is. that sometimes we just get out of tune, you know, and then we kind of fall into routine and then we get discouraged and then we don't even want to do anymore. And then the devil gets in there and tries to, you know, continue to have things, have us not do anymore. So that type of thing would be a, a, a good start. Got it. So if you, once again, listeners, if you were just joining us, you are here in the family room with Father John Bartunek, and um, this is just a fascinating conversation, and so we will ask you to stay tuned um, as Father breaks open the rest of these uh, essentials, and we talk a little bit more, especially around prayer and then mission, I think we're going to get into after the break, so stay tuned. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on The Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Healthcare providers should care about health, right? 
Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's health care services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not health care. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States with 700 abortion facilities. And in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 innocent American lives. This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C. Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. We're back in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. Right here on AM 1160, The Quest. We're here with Father John Bartunik, and we're talking about prayer. Father, you had lots of great things to talk about. You've moved down a path, and prayer is is a very rich time for you. And I'm hearkening back to a point in my life where I did a cursio, and somebody said, you have to have, you know, your prayer chair, and you need to have at least 15 minutes of quiet prayer. And for me, like I have major ADD issues to this day after 42 years, well, my wife and I'll be sitting somewhere and I'll just get up and move and do something. She said, can you not sit still for 10 minutes? <laughs> and the answer is no, except in my prayer time. And I can give serious time to prayer now. But in the beginning, five minutes was torture. God is amazingly good. When you crack the door just a tiny bit for him, he, he'll come in and take over. How how do you, how would you encourage someone to find that five minutes if they haven't attended a cursio or if they're not doing something like that? How do you how do you get somebody started in that? Yeah, the key. I mean, there's a lot of resources that you can use if you want to get started. You know, they've got the Hallow app has some amazing tons of stuff on it. Um, you know, you've got a lot of books that have meditations you can follow along. You can books that are meant to help you learn to have that. The the key though 
The key that no book can do for you and no app can do for you is make the decision. I am going yeah. to get daily prayer into my life. And you can make that decision. Yes, you can. You can make it. And even if you fall flat on your face five days in a row and other things crowded out, if you've made the decision, you get back up again. Like you said, it, there, there's a, a beautiful verse from James, James 4, 8. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. And so it, just, just trying, even if you say, oh, I'm going to do five minutes and you spend the whole five minutes battling distractions or trying not to fall asleep, just by trying, what have you done? You have exercised your supernatural faith that God is real, that God loves me, your supernatural hope that God is actually going to give me grace to grow, to become holier, and your supernatural love. You're giving yourself to God in that time. So by exercising your faith, hope, and love, you've given your soul a workout, and God's grace is going to, going to build up those virtues in you. So just making the decision, and then try new things. If you try to do this for five minutes and it didn't work, try something else. If nothing's working, get a friend who does know how to pray and go and just sit, you know, go and, and listen to him, ask him to do it out loud with you in the room <laughs> and you just sure. join and you get, get a little mentoring, right? But it's the decision. That's the key thing. The decision. Yeah. You know, the intention, intentionality is a word we throw around a ton lately when it comes to our faith life and our prayer life. Um, cause it's interesting because I've been involved in a lot of things for a long time and, you know, thought I was a pretty prayerful person until you sit down and somebody challenges you like a spiritual director and said, okay, what time do you have your set prayer time every day? Well, I try to do it here, but whatever, like, well, no, do you have a set time L loosely? Cause my personality is not overly disciplined and I fly by the seat of my pants. And that was the challenge. It was no set a time don't make it crazy so it makes it yeah. tough but do it every single day and the whole idea of show up every single day because you may not be on the top of your game if you know we sports analogies but if you're there god to john's point he'll take whatever little bit we have and he'll grow it and i think that's the challenge as cradle catholics which you are not which is an interesting dynamic because when you're brought up in the faith we've lost not everybody maybe just some of the knuckleheads I know. We've lost the beauty of the faith, though, because it's been so ingrained in us socially. It's been ingrained. I grew up in Ohio. We had a Catholic church literally on every other corner where I, where I grew up. Everybody was Catholic. But oftentimes it was cultural. Oftentimes it was just, well, that's what we do because my Irish, my Italian, my whatever family. Right. And for me, though, it wasn't until my mother got involved in the charismatic side of the church where it was about a personal relationship with Christ. I can have the catechism memorized. I can have the Bible memorized. But if it doesn't lead me to that personal relationship where Christ and I become friends, it's moot because it's just a bunch of ramblings there. And I say all that to say somebody broke down the Our Father and simply said, look at the Our Father and take the time to think about every component of it. Our Father, what does that mean? Let me think about that. Who are, I mean, it seems like a very simple thing to do, but it seems like an awfully big lead in when you're so used to just snapping these prayers off. Yeah. How do you approach that? Well, th that goes back to the, those three different categories of prayer. So you have vocal prayer right. using someone else's words, <clears throat> liturgical prayer, you enter into it. It's kind of, you know, it's done for you and you enter in and mental prayer. If all someone has done in their, you know, for 
20 years is vocal prayer and liturgical prayer, then they're underdeveloped in that relationship, knowing how to, that God actually speaks to me personally. And so that needs to be kind of delved into. Uh, also, uh, would you say if we're, we get used to our faith? So that ties into a couple of the other, the, of the five essential elements, right? So discovery, that's the, you know, that there's always more to discover. Go on a pilgrimage to a really cool place that you'd love to go anyway, but go on a pilgrimage so that you add a little spirit that can wake up, that can awaken a new experience of God. Go to a, go to a course, go to a talk, go to some activity, you know, where someone's coming and giving us testimony, learn a little bit about the theology of the body. Oh, I've heard about that. That sounds interesting. What's that? You know, oh, learn something more. And that, that actually activates, you know, your, your lot of different levels of your soul. So then that can actually kind of jumpstart even your, your excitement about the faith, your experience of God. That's why you got to have them all together. Go on a mission trip. Go on a mission trip during spring break, bring the faith to some, serve someone who's in need, bring the faith to someone, see what that does to your own faith, right? So it's all connected. Craig, when, when <laughs> you and I first started talking about this whole radio idea, remember we talked about bringing uh, work to the faith place, right? Just a little play on words. Everybody talks about bringing faith to the workplace. And we said like, well, let's bring work to the faith place because as career professionals, we know we've got incredible disciplines around our job, right? And, and so why not bring those disciplines to our faith? As I listen to you talk, Father, I, it's, there, there's another analogy. It's like if we were going to work out physically and, and say, look, I need to be the specimen I want to be for whatever good, bad, or indifferent reasons, we know that there's a series of exercises you do. You don't do all legs. You don't do all arms. You, you do core, all these things. What you just said is like, hey, you know, if all you've done is run, and and whatever you're don't go don't get a you know a barbell and expect to press you know world record weights because you're not going to your body's not ready for that mm -hmm. and you're just encouraging us to do what we know to do physically with our bodies with our soul yeah. it's much easier well maybe for me it's much easier to think about it that way the other thing that i feel compelled to say is like if you I'm, i presume that a lot of folks listening are really really devout but I also presume there's some folks listening is like they're listening because they want to understand. And I, I mean, I am here. I wish I wish I could believe if you're listening that for us to talk about for at least for me to talk about spending, you know, a full hour in the morning in prayer. I wish you could say that's because John is this great, devout, holy person. I wish you could see inside my head and my heart and know <laughs> what big fat pile is there. And I still want to have that time and he rewards that time graciously and so i guess that's just encouragement if you're not doing it if you're doing it you're not sure try these things i mean father i think it's just good advice just try it try something try something different mm -hmm. um he god is most accommodating most well we fail to remember that you know we think the spiritual life's easy we just walk into it <laughs> the spiritual life's very difficult and difficult from a standpoint of you got to put the effort in. And we don't always remember. And you said it at the last end of something you said a little earlier. There is a devil. There are demons. They don't want us praying. All the technology we have, all of the advancements that help us to, you know, do better at our jobs, do better at life. They don't do anything but distract us from being quiet. Talking to somebody who knows me so intimately and loves me so dearly that can understand my problems when I can't understand them and is willing to talk to me about those. Now that sounds maybe kind of deep when you go from the our father the father to this, but this is I think where 
my prayer life has brought me because of people like you, Father, that talk about, you know, praying the Our Father intentionally, the books you produce that give you a structure to say, I'm praying, I'm also meditating, I'm also learning. And again, people think I'm your publicist, maybe. <laughs> but I do think the better part in the books you have written do a great job of breaking components down. So you read the scripture, you kind of expound on what's going on in the scripture. It helped me, like, live it a little bit better. Then you even put yourself in Christ's shoes, or you put yourself in somebody else's shoes, explaining what possibly was going on there. Just an amazing way. And I got to tell you, when you read it like that, that's 15, 20 minutes if you really take the time. And then at the end of it, what does that mean? You know, you keep saying, what is this going to animate me to do? This isn't just praying to say, yep, I checked the box, I did it. But it's praying to come into an encounter with God that says, okay, now go live that today. So, I know we're kind of all over the board talking about praying, but when you talk about how you break apart these books with regard to the the, the, the liturgy and then kind of break down how you've viewed those. Yeah, well, well, I think what you're getting at really is the essence of this mental prayer that we've been talking about, which is this, I'm alone, I'm, I'm spending time alone with God, I'm listening to what he has to say to me, and, and then I'm going to respond, right? So, so I think we should click on that a little bit because both of what you were just saying— if if someone's not used to this, if someone hasn't done this, like what is that? How yeah. how's that even prayer? About? What are you talking about? What we're talking about. If you some of the classic spiritual writers talk about the soul, they use an analogy. Your soul is like a garden, uh, and God plants the virtues in your soul, uh, and a kind of a unique combination of virtues and talents. And and for in a garden, for those things to grow and bear fruit, what do they need? They need to be watered. They need some, you know, uh, nourishment. They need some fertilizer. They need sunlight. Um, they have to be pruned. Maybe they have to be taken care of during storms, right? So, and and if you do those things, those plants grow and bear fruit, and you have this beautiful garden. Well, mental prayer is like where we open our soul to receive, and we water those virtues, and we expose them to the sunlight of Christ's love by spending time turning our attention to what God has revealed to us about himself, to what God has revealed to us about the world, about ourselves. So when you open the scriptures, like in that book that you're referring to in the better part, you have the scripture passage. But, you know, to take to actually go from reading the passage, which we're all familiar with, especially if you're a credo Catholic, because you go through the Bible, you know, every three years, you're going through the whole Bible and the Sunday Masses. You yeah, know? Right. So, um, so you're familiar with the scriptures. But if you take that time to unpack it, and that's kind of what my commentaries do, Christ the Lord, Christ the friend, Christ the teacher, Christ in my life, um, you kind of explain what it means. And we have, that's where the treasure house, there's a certain discovery in prayer. These scriptures have been unpacked by saints and scholars for 2,000 years. So there's so much to discover there. And so it's, it's the not up to me to figure it out all on my own? Just you to dis you discover, and you can benefit from what everyone else has wow. discovered, right? So, And so that's what I try to do in the commentaries. This means this. This is God didn't reveal himself by writing a catechism. He revealed himself by becoming a human being and walking among us. So when you dig into the Gospels, you're actually encountering God himself who wants to be known, but we need help. We need help to unpack what the scriptures mean and what the context was. But then once you open it up a little bit, then things strike you. And that's the sunlight hitting the plants in the garden of your soul. That's the water just seeping into the soil and nourishing the virtues so that you grow to be more like Christ. 
You grow to be more full as a human being when you nourish your soul on this truth and light that comes from God and scriptures and prayer. That's what mental prayer really is all about. Folks, if you're just joining us now, you are deep into it. Uh, Stay tuned. You're in the family room and you're listening to Father John Bartunik and we're talking about prayer. And thank you for that, Father. Um, I'm compelled to say this. So your your analogy of of the garden feels like a really good one. And and I don't want to be off color, but they need to be fertilized, right? And sometimes fertilizer isn't the most pleasant thing to deal with. And yet it's critical to growth. And, and talk about how times of difficulty might bring you to the prayer that you really need to come to and, 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 and discover God that way. Yeah, so there's a connection between prayer and life. The Catechism develops this beautifully. St. Teresa of Avila, one of the great doctors of the church on prayer, developed this beautifully. Uh, and that kind of ties back into the five essential elements. You can't just be a prayer and, 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 and think you're going to be growing in union with God. Uh, and in holiness and in fullness. Life itself uh, is under God's providence. So everything that happens in your life, and what's what's the number one item on God's agenda when he's thinking of you? He he wants you to be all that you can be. He wants his dream for you to, to be, come true. And he wants you to be in intimate union with him deeper and deeper every day of your life for now and for all eternity. That's his agenda. And he's in charge of history. His providence is real. It doesn't obstruct human freedom. We can do stupid things, but he can take everything and turn it into an opportunity for that number one item on his agenda to be put forward. Everything that happens in life, he can turn into nourishment for our souls. That's where you get to the fertilizer, right? Even the bad things. Yes. But we need, we need to allow, we need to give him the space to do that. And the way that he does that is sometimes our life itself becomes a subject of our prayer. I go to be alone for my 15 minutes with God and a lot of bad stuff's been happening and I open, I, I, I sit with God and I open up what I'm feeling and I ask him for light. I open up the scriptures and his living word actually helps me understand how this can be used by him to make me more like Christ. So life itself becomes uh, kind of the tool, the instrument that Jesus, that God uses to help draw us closer to him. But we got to have time to, to let that sink in. And we have to educate ourselves. We have to begin to think like Christ, understand what he has revealed in the gospel so that we can receive what God sends us in life in a fruitful way. So help with the, I, the whole problem of distractions. And A, how do, you, how do you dismiss them? And then B, is a distraction ever something maybe God poking at you saying, hey, I'm bringing this up for a reason? Yeah, uh, so there's a lot you could say about distractions. So um, the two big obstacles in prayer um, have to do with the fact that uh, we are fallen human beings. So we we kind of enter into communication with God through faith, um, and faith our faith is immature mostly. <laughs> so uh, when you and I are talking here, when we go out for a coffee. You know, it's not hard to stay engaged. We can see each other. We're in the same space. You know what we're talking about. Um, But when I go to be alone with God, I don't see him in the same way. I see him through faith. I believe that he's there. So um, as our faith grows, it's easier for us to stay in contact with him. But in early stages, um, you know, our faith is weak and our minds go, our minds think thoughts the way our hearts 
beat. Like they're always thinking thoughts. Our mind is always thinking thoughts. So when we put our attention to God through faith, you know, it's still vulnerable to be turned away by something else, by a worry, by, you know, if I'm feel if I have a pain in my foot, you know, or by, you know, someone, something that catches my attention, right? We can always be. So that's going to happen. It happens less as you grow. It happens less because your faith grows. Uh, and then it's easier to stay in contact, but it's going to happen. So what do you do when it happens? When it happens, it is a golden opportunity to advance Christ's kingdom. Because every time you notice, oh man, my, I'm, I'm thinking about the bracket and I'm supposed to be thinking about, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about my prayer. Oh, that's an opportunity. As soon as you catch yourself, then you have a chance to do what? You have a chance to exercise faith, hope, and love and turn your attention back to the Lord of the universe, giving him praise, giving him glory. And that's a victory for right. Christ. Yeah. And if you have to do that a hundred times in your 15 minutes, you've just won a hundred victories for Christ in his kingdom. And it doesn't feel good, but you have been exercising your faith. You've been giving him glory. Your guardian angel is throwing a party in heaven because you just <laughs> did it all the way you're supposed to. Like, so it's not about not having distractions. It's about how do I respond? I have another option. When I notice that I'm thinking about the bracket, I could either turn back to the scriptures or whatever, or I could go check the latest score. Yeah. Right? And that becomes a conscious choice. And if I do that, then I'm weakening my faith. I'm not, I'm not being coherent with the decision I made to spend 15 minutes with the Lord. But it's only once I become aware, because a lot of times distractions come and I'm not even aware. But once I become aware, that's the golden moment, the golden opportunity to win a victory for Christ. Okay, so he was in my prayer room noticing I was checking my bracket. <laughs> God always sends me people to remind me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so practically, all right. You talked about going away, setting up. Talk about setting up a prayer space, right? A space that's really dedicated to what, what's in it. What, what may it look like? What does it look like for you? I mean, mm. you know, something practical that our, our listeners can say, okay, that's a good start for me. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's important to have a sacred space that we go to be with God. It's very helpful. It's not absolutely necessary. Any space can be sacred. But if we're trying to, it's like when I, going back to your kind of, physical exercise analogies, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you want your equipment to be there. So you, you don't have to go find the equipment every time you want to work out. It's going to be discouraging, right? Right. So your sacred space is a space that is conducive to you entering into this atmosphere of faith, listening to God and responding to him. Uh, and you, you can do whatever you want. I mean, you can make a little chapel. You have your candle. You have a crucifix. Maybe if you like a certain type of maybe an icon or uh, a work of art that's meaningful for you, um, a Bible that you like. You like the feel of it. You like the translation. You have a journal. If you like to journal, you have a pen that you like. You, you have a chair that's comfortable. You might have a kneeler if you like to kneel. Um, if, you know, if nature helps you pray, you have, you have a window in that little space uh, or you go and you can have more than one space. You have your space in your house, but then you also have a space like in a park. I like to go to a, a particular bench in a park, which has a little view. And sometimes I go and I'll do my prayer there. I just go, or I like to go for a walk and I'll do it there. So you can have different spaces, but you want to have things kind of ready for you when you go to pray. So you want to have your stuff there ready. For me, uh, personally, I mean, I, mine is, it's been, it's been different seasons. There was a season when I did all my prayer in the chapel. I would just go to our, I mean, I live in a house <laughs> with a chapel, you know, so, <laughs> and the Eucharist is there. So, um, but now I find, uh, I, I have a chair in my room, um, and, uh, and I usually get up before the sun rises. So 
uh, I usually get my cup of coffee after we do our morning hymn together. And I'll go up and I'll sit down. I'll light a candle. Um, I'll do some reading. And then I'll turn off the light as the sun comes up and enter into my prayer. Um, and it's usually it's the hour I look forward to the most, you know, hour, hour and a half of, of every day. I don't know. What, what, are your, what are your sacred spaces look like? You both are veterans prayers. I, I have what my kids all refer to as dad's prayer chair. But it's, it's not just for my prayer time, but it's in our family room. And um, somebody told me about a candle. And this was just pure... Well, there's no such thing as coincidence or luck, but I started using a candle and it sits on this table in our family room and there's a little statue of the Blessed Virgin and there's a little figurine that our daughter and son-in-law gave to Barb when our first grandson was born. And just by the positioning of the candle, when I look up, it lights Mary's face mm-hmm. and, and it casts a little bit of light on this image of a of a mom holding up a baby. Mm. And, and for me, when I get those t- distractions, the Blessed Virgin has been awesome for me. And it, in my darkest days, when I should have gotten nothing, I asked for favors and she gave them. <clears throat> but so when I get distracted, then I, I glance up and that candle hits her just right. And that's just mm. maybe in the last several months that I actually started doing that. But for me, it was having that one place that was familiar enough that I was comfortable but quiet enough, and I have to do it before the day begins. So I, I get up pretty early just because I'm an early riser. It's really not a sacrifice to do that. I'd love to take credit for that, but it's not. It'd be, it'd be wrong. <laughs> no, but, yeah, I mean, having a separate space, yeah. I do. I've got a chair. What I did, too, is I put a, uh, I, I had bought a larger crucifix from the folks from the Holy Land that come over here and oh, right, you know, yeah. make those. So it's on a uh, table. I've got two holy candles next to it. And I'd look out a window. So for mm-hmm. me, it's kind of a combination of look outside, see the sun or whatever it is. And then if I really am trying to contemplate something or frankly get overly distracted, because I pray a lot with my eyes closed and depending on where my brain goes, then I'll look at the crucifix and, and, and like talk to Jesus. So I think yeah. we're winding down our time here a little bit. So what's the one thing you would want to leave our listeners with as fodder to think about until the next time you come on the show because this is going to be an ongoing thing praise be to god father's going to come on unpack these elements and you will again have a chance to ask father questions so leaving this what would you like to leave our folks with i would just want to reinforce the five those five elements right we're on this five-fold road of holiness right so and these are the things that we want to keep nourished in our life we want prayer and sacraments mission how has God asked me to witness to him and build his kingdom? Discovery, I'm learning more about the treasury of our faith uh, and growing in Christ-like virtue intentionally and then fellowship, not trying to do it alone or traveling together. If you kind of keep an eye on those things and you're going to keep moving forward and, and you know God's grace is going to do the rest. Perfect. Folks, if you want to ask Father any questions for our upcoming shows, it's the family room at thequestatlanta.com. The family room at thequestatlanta.com, and we'll answer all of your questions. Father, would you close us in a prayer? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of this day, the gift of our faith. We pray that you bless each one of us and bless everyone who's been hearing us. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So listeners, please join us again here next week in the Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.